second Bible reading for this morning will be taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 until 31. You can follow along with me on the screen behind me, or um, the, the black Bibles found under your pews on page 1202. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by, the, by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret. But eagerly desire the greater gifts, 
And now I will show you the most excellent way. Thank you, Michelle. There is an outline if you find it helpful. Hopefully you receive one on the way in. Uh, do keep your Bibles open. We'll actually work through this whole chapter together. So keep that. That will help you follow along. Uh, but let's uh, once again pray to our God for his help. Heavenly Father, as we reflect on this wonderful passage, we pray that you'll fill our minds with your truth, convict our hearts with your love, and shape our hands by your will. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, have you ever thought about what makes for a good family life, where there is harmony and peace and joy and vitality and just life? Well, in my family, it's not always harmonious, not always peaceful, not always joyful. We have our moments, we have our crazy times. But when it's good, it is because we all know, each one of us know our part in the family, where we act like we know what our part in the family is. We act not for ourselves, but we behave for the good of the family, and of course, for the glory of God. And so in my family, this is how we function. We all have different roles and responsibilities to serve the family. And so it's Esther's job, my daughter, to cook the rice when we have rice for dinner. It's her job. She'll do that without question. On the holidays we had recently, uh, Caleb's job was I was trying to teach him to mow the lawn. Hopefully he's not strong enough yet, but hopefully that will become his job. Hopefully not too long. All three kids, we gave them another job. We gave them during the holidays, your job is to weed the garden. You see, it's because I'm a terrible weeder. Um, uh, there was one time I pulled out a plant that Yvonne planted. I thought it was a weed, and, and she still reminds me it wasn't a weed. <laughs> Yvonne, she has her own jobs and responsibilities. It's her job most of the time to do the cooking, except on our anniversary and her birthday. It's because I'm hopeless at cooking. It's not my gifting. It's also her job to do the ironing. It's because I'm hopeless at it, she's gifted at it. It's also her job to do most of the washing. Um, she's also very good at that. But in this past week, she cut her index finger, four stitches, and so it's going to be my job to do the cleaning for a while. She better get better soon. But anyway, now it might seem like Yvonne's doing a lot, but I've got some jobs too. It's my job to take out the rubbish and the bin, and I'm pretty good at it. I've never tripped once taking the garbage down the driveway. It's also my job to work out is it recycle week or is it green bin week? That's my job, big job. I just see what the neighbors are doing. It's also my job to do all the driving, even interstate, when we were interstate. I would drive all the time if I'm in the car. Now that's not because I'm any better, but because I'm faster and I can <laughs> parallel park. In the household, if there are spiders around, cockroaches, even mice, that's me, the man of the house. That's my job. Recently, we've given Ethan this job, and he's actually not too bad. <laughs> it's also my job to do the family devotions. So if I'm home at, at night, I will lead the family devotion. If I'm not home, Yvonne will take over. And so family life works well when we all know what we're doing, when we all act and serve for the good of the family, and of course, for the glory of God. But this morning, I want us all to reflect on this church family, the big family. Over our break, as a family, we were thinking and praying and hoping that this will be a good year 
under God for our church family, where there will be a greater sense of unity and harmony and joy and peace and vitality and life in our church family. Isn't that what you want as well for our church family? But what would it take? What would it take for that to happen? Well, what it takes is for each and every one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, from those who have been here for decades to the recent regulars, what we all need to see is that we are all gifted in different and various ways by God to serve him and his people. And we do our part for the good of this church family and for the glory of God. That's how our church family can go well. And so that's why we're looking at this passage this morning. And what we see in this passage are really two big points, and they're pretty simple and pretty clear. What we see firstly is that there is a diversity of gifts, many gifts, but it is the one God who gives them all. And what we also see, the second thing, is that there is a diversity of parts, but we all belong to the one body. And so firstly we see there's a diversity of gifts. We're all gifted in different and various ways. Yvonne's an excellent cook. I'm hopeless at it. The music team, they're excellent at playing instruments. They're good at singing. I'm hopeless at all those things. But what we're told here by Paul is that it's not our gifts that make us who we are. It's not our gifts that makes us spiritual. And so there must be no competition amongst Christians. All Christians are spiritual regardless of our gifts and talents. Being able to preach does not make anyone more spiritual. But it is being able to confess that Jesus is my King, that Jesus is my Saviour, He's the one who died for me, and that's why I belong to Him. It is my confession that Jesus is Lord that makes us spiritual. It is being a Christian that makes us spiritual, not our gifts. And that's the very point Paul is making in the first three verses. Have a look at uh, with me. Look at verse 3. Paul says, Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so he's making the point that all Christians are spiritual because we belong to Christ. It is not our spiritual gifts that makes us spiritual. But now Paul wants us all to remember that however we are gifted, whatever we can do, we're all gifted in different ways. It all comes from the same source. It actually all comes from the same God. Look at verses 4 to 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, depending on your Christian exposure or your church experience, the idea of spiritual gifts has been a source of confusion and division for many Christians. But what does it mean? What did Paul mean here? Well, the word gift in verse 4 is the word in the Greek charismata. It's where we get the word charismatic from. But what does it mean? Well, the word charismata, charis, just means grace. And so what this word actually means is just literally grace gift. Spiritual gifts are grace gift. What does that mean? Well it means that all gifts that were given, they have been all given graciously by God. Which means no one deserves the gifts they have. No one merits the gifts they have. And so if I'm gifted to teach 
It's not because I deserve it. If you're gifted to sing, it's not because you deserve it. If you're gifted in whatever ways you are gifted, it's not because we deserve it. All gifts are grace gifts. It's undeserved. And so there's a variety and diversity of grace gifts, but they're all given by the same God who is Lord of all. But for what purpose? Why did God equip some people to sing, some people to play instruments, some people to be uh, tech people, some people to, uh, to do show hospitality? For what purpose? Well, Paul makes that clear, and we need to see this. It is for the same purpose. Though different gifts, it is the same purpose, and that is the common good, the good of the church. And so, if I'm gifted in a particular way, it's not for my good, it's not for my pride, my benefit, it is for the common good. Have a look, verse 7. Verse 7 following. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. And so, you know, some people are just so wise in their counsel, in showing how to live in fear of God. They're the people with the gift of wisdom. To another we read on the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit to another faith by the same spirit now this this perhaps looks like those with that vitality of faith for example those persecuted christians there's a story of christians in syria there's a particular christian brother who was being executed and his brothers were concerned for him but he said this don't worry about us even if they were to cut our heads off ten times we would still say Jesus is Lord. I mean, that's profound faith given to that particular brother. And then we read on verse 9, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. And in verse 11, all these are the work of the one and same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Now do you notice that last verse? Grace gifts are given as the Spirit determines. It's not given and never given just because we want it or simply because we pray hard enough for it. It is graciously given as the Spirit determines for the common good. And so what we see the first point, there's a diversity of grace gifts but given by the same God and given for the common good. But now we read on. What Paul does now is he uses a, a simple illustration we're all familiar with, the human body, to explain his point. There are, there's the diversity of parts, different parts of the body, but it's still the one body. And so he's trying to teach us that the Christian family, the Church of Christ, are to be seen as united in one body united under Christ by his spirit. And that's what we see. Look at verses 12 and 13. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were baptized by one spirit in, into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so that's the image that Paul gives us. But how does this work? How does this body function? Well, he, he tells us two points here. Firstly, everyone in this body must recognize and must see themselves as important 
as an important part of this body. That is, everyone has a part to play in the body. The toenail, the pinky toe, the little finger, everyone has a part to play. Just like in a family, we all have a part to play, even little Ethan. And so that's what we see. Paul tells us, verse 14, Now the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now just try to picture what Paul tries to illustrate here, verse 15. If you picture it hard enough, it looks like an alien, a foot speaking. But anyway, verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not be for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And then look at verse 18. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. He's a bit repetitive here, but he's making that very important point. Everyone in the family of God is part of the same body. We all have different parts to play, and God is like here, this great conductor, arranging his orchestra, the woodwind there, the string there, the percussion there, all playing together in wonderful harmony. You see, the picture is beautiful. The principle is simple and clear. Everyone must see that they are important as part of the bigger body. But now, secondly, Paul makes a point that every part must see all the other parts as also very important. And so what this means is that in the church of God, there must never be looking down or despising anyone else. Just because they're like the pinky toe or the toenail, they are despised, that must never be. Even if they appear useless, like the appendix, that must never be. You see, there must never be such thinking. Just imagine for us, if we were all missing our pinky toe, we'll lose something, we'll miss something. It'll make our balance more difficult, it'll make it harder to walk and even run. And so Paul here reminds us, all parts are important. And we must honour every part. So have a look, verses 21 to 25 now. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those part of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern. Isn't that a beautiful picture of family life? I'm no more important than my son or daughter. Yvonne's no more important than me. We're all equal. We have different parts of play. And so it is with the church of God, the church of Christ here, the family of Christ. All are important. All are needed and all are equal. In fact, rather than look down upon anyone else in our church family, we're told here that each part is to share in both the joys and the burdens of all the other parts. Look at verse 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. 
Now, have you noticed that in our church family, as we've been together for five years, I mean, when we hear news of illness, of difficulties, of someone struggling with depression, someone getting cancer, we all suffer together. We bear the burden together. We pray for that person. But then the flip side, when we hear news like today, there is new birth. We celebrate and we rejoice together. And so the picture is clear. Every part we are to see our part as important, and every part we must see all others as important. Diversity of parts, but still the one body. And so Paul now summarizes his point. He moves back to the church, and he wants us to not be ignorant. Different gifts, one God, different parts, one body. And so verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration. I mean, have you ever wondered that? Those who love Excel, that's a gift. Those speaking different t- kinds of tongues. I mean, this is not an exhaustive list, but we get the point. There are a variety, huge variety of grace gifts from God given for the common good. And then verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? And the answer is, of course, no. We are not the same and we are not meant to be the same. There's a diversity of parts but the one body. And so this passage is a beautiful picture, important for us to know. But what does it mean for us as we reflect on this and as we reflect on our life and also as we think about this coming year? Well, this message, if if anything, is very simple. But the question for us is, in light of this passage, what does it look like for our church family moving forward in 2018 What does it look like for our church family to be a place where there will be greater unity, greater love, deeper compassion, wonderful joy, lasting peace, there's vitality and life? What would that take? What would we have to do? Well, we have to all play our part, serve for the common good, for the glory of God. And so there's a few points I'd like to encourage us with. And firstly, that is, we all need to remember that these are grace gifts. We're all so different with different gifts and talents, but they are all given by God, distributed by his spirit as he sees fit. And so we must remember, however we're able, however competent we are, these are all unmerited and undeserved gifts from God. And so if that is the case, all of us must, must show a deep and genuine sense of humility amongst all of us as we go about serving in our own ways, in our various ways. There must be a deep sense of humility. I can do this not because I'm awesome, but because God is good. He's given me that gift. And so my gifts are not there to give me a big head, nor are your gifts there to give you a big head. They were given for the common good of reaching the lost for Christ, of building up this church for the glory of God. And so some of us here are exceptional evangelists. 
if you're an exceptional evangelist, then focus on reaching out. Focus on the loss. And as you do so, there's no boasting in that. Some of us are exceptional administrators. And so if that is the way God has formed you and gifted you, focus on administering so that the gospel will be enabled in our community. But as we do that, there's no boasting in that. Some of us are just exceptional at tidying up loose ends. There's always things to be done, but no one else seems to see it, but only this person sees it. If that's your focus, if that's your gifting, serve in that way. We do so, and you do so, but there's no boasting in that. Some of us are exceptional at teaching or mentoring or discipling. And if that's you, focus on that. Serve in that way. And as you do so, there's no boasting at all. You see, our attitude, even as we go about serving, however God has equipped us, there must always be a deep sense in our hearts. I mean, who am I, Lord? What am I? I'm a wretched sinner. I fail. I make mistakes. I break your commands. Who am I, Lord, that you would even consider to grant me that gift that I might serve for the building of your kingdom, for the common good, for the building up of your church? But because you have done that, God, praise the Lord for that. You see, in all our service, we do so humbly, willingly, joyfully, and lovingly. Now, secondly, what about the gifts we see in all the others around us? None of us are gifted in everything. We're good at some things, and others are better at other things. So what happens when we see, you know, the other person doing so much better than we are? Well, here we need to do some deep soul-searching. Because, you see, our human hearts can be deceptive. And we, 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 we should be rejoicing when we see that, that God has given that person that gift. But we can become envious and even despise those who are better. But that must never be the case. We rejoice in the gifts of others. You see, at home, I'm very glad. I rejoice all the time that, that Yvonne is way gifted in so many things that I'm not. And I'm not speaking here just about the spiritual gift of cleaning and washing and cooking. But I mean here her hospitality, her wisdom, her concern, her care, and praise the Lord for that. And likewise in our church family, I'm so glad that many of you are gifted in ways that I'm not. But better in so many other ways that I'm not, and praise the Lord for that. You see, we are to see each other as God's gift to each other. And so this might sound strange, but you're God's gift to me for the common good. And this might sound very strange as inadequate and incompetent that I am. I'm God's gift to you. Strange, but true. And so we rejoice in the gifts of each other. But what we can learn is that we can learn from those who are wonderful encouragers. There are those amongst us who are always looking, seeking, how might I build this church with words of encouragement? That they don't come around with critical eyes, always criticizing, always saying That's, that should have been done better. They come with encouraging words to build up. And I've personally been on the receiving end, and they've always been very timely. But we can learn from that. And so as we look around the room, as we look around at each other, are there people here who can do things that you can't? Of course there are. Are there people here who can do things better than you can? Well, of course there are. What do we do? Well, we praise the Lord for them because they are God's gift to us. That God in his manifold wisdom would do such a thing. And so as today we acknowledge that Michelle, the students, are starting with us, 
We must remember they are God's grace gift to us as well. They will be able to serve and do things in ways that we can't. Michelle, we have been praying that Michelle would join this team because she can do things that I can't, nor can Chris. But isn't that a brilliant picture of the family of God? An orchestra playing harmoniously together for the sake of his church, for the sake of his kingdom and glory. But now finally, considering this passage, speaking about grace gifts, I suspect that many of you sitting here might be thinking, well, what are my gifts? What are the gifts that God has given me for the common good? Well, being there at the beginning of the year, it is that time to consider how might I be used by God this year for the good of his church? Well, what we need to understand is that gifts are not necessarily the spectacular. Often when people think of spiritual gifts, they're thinking about miracles, but it's not necessarily that. In the New Testament, we get gifts like administration, hospitality, helping others, teaching, service, encouraging, giving financially is a gift, leadership, showing mercy. And so what that suggests is that natural talent can be considered and must be considered God's grace gifts as well. And so if you are equipped and you're an astute administrator, financer, good at IT, well, consider how you might use that gift that God has given you. If you're a musician, you've been equipped that way, how might you use your gift? If you're great with kids, kids love being around you, you can teach them easily, how might you use that gift? If you have been financially blessed by God, how might you use that gift? And so what this therefore means is that none of us, if we belong to the family of God, none of us can come to church, sit around and just consume. Lazy in our service, complacent in our attitude. We allow others to serve us because my reasoning is I can't figure out my gifts. Nor can we think this. We can't use the excuse that I'm just the toenail of the family. And so that's my permission to never do anything that I might be uncomfortable with. Well, excuses like I'm an introvert, it's just too difficult to approach and welcome newcomers and invite them over to have a meal together, that's just too uncomfortable. I mean, I'm an introvert, we just have to get over it. We love, we serve for the good of the church. Third, we can't also wait around for God to lay upon us a gift that will suddenly fall on our lap and for it to be confirmed before we take initiative in serving the family. How many musicians do you know get good at playing without practice? Not many. Not any, I don't think. How many hospitable people do you know get good at hospitality without practice? Not many. How many generous people do you know get generous without putting that into practice? How many great preachers have you heard get good at preaching without putting that into practice? You see, all these things are God's grace gifts. It is not without effort, preparation, years of practice and hard work. And so this morning, if you are thinking, what is my gift? What has God granted me for the good of his church? Well, perhaps a better way of thinking about that question is this way. Where can I serve humbly? Who can I love joyfully? Two questions. 
Where can I serve humbly? Who can I love joyfully? You see, for a family of God to work well, we all play our part and we're all important. As old as we are, as young as we are, as weak as we feel, we all have an important part to play. Now, I know from my experience that there are quite a number of older ladies, wiser ladies amongst us. Um, we, we might never see them up the front singing. They, they can, I'm sure. We might never see them up the front playing some musical instruments. But they are gifted. Many of these ladies amongst us, they are prayer warriors committing to the Lord, our leaders, our ministers, our elders, our missionaries. They are prayer warriors. What a huge encouragement. They are God's gift to us. And so as we all look around, we're looking at what our gifts are, we'll look and see the ample opportunities to serve. Look and see numerous people to love. And what a beautiful picture that is. I mean, I've got my own little family at home. We try to make things work. We've got our roles and responsibilities. But how wonderful is this picture that God has made? The body of Christ. Diversity of gifts. But one God. Many parts. But one body. So let us all consider how we might be a church family where there's humility in all our attitude, willingness in service, and joy in love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus, the head of this church, who brings us into his family, that we might be brothers and sisters in Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that in your wisdom you have equipped us all for the building of your church, for the reaching of the lost. So we pray, Heavenly Father, that you might be convicting our hearts by your love, changing our ways according to your will. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.